friends, you're listening to Crickets to Cha-Chings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. Well, hey there, and welcome to this special episode of Crickets to Cha-Chings. This was supposed to be a Facebook Live, and my internet went out because we live in the boonies. So um, I'm re-recording it as a podcast episode, and I hope that you enjoy it. I'm sorry for those of you that were live on the Facebook Live. It was really disappointing um, that that was the time that my internet decided to cut out. So I apologize for that. I appreciate you being there. And I hope that you will join in again next week. We will have another Facebook Live. We will try again. Maybe I'll drive to the library so that perhaps my internet will be a little bit more reliable. (laughs) But today um, we are going to talk about the process of building a successful Etsy shop and making that a little bit easier on yourself. Um, And if that seems like a strange topic in the midst of some of the other topics that we've talked about lately, hang in there with me because I think you're really going to enjoy this convo. If you're new around here, my name is Lauren Keplinger and I teach Etsy shop owners how to scale their sales and increase their Etsy revenue by focusing on what works for their shop and letting go of those time-wasting ways of marketing your shop. If you're struggling with getting your shop optimized to get passive traffic and you wanna make things a little bit easier on yourself, so that you can let go of those random pieces of marketing you're stringing together, go to laurenkeplinger.com forward slash seven steps, the number seven steps, to download the seven steps to mastering Etsy SEO checklist and be on the VIP waiting list for my signature course, SEO Superstars, when it opens in just a few weeks. So what exactly do I mean by making things easier for you? What does that look like as a shop owner? I wanna take you back in time for a little bit to tell you about what it used to look like for me as a super burnt out, struggling to get sales, overwhelmed, and working for very low revenue Etsy shop owner. I'm sure that a lot of you can relate to those feelings, hopefully not all of them, but maybe some of them, and maybe all of them if you are anything like I was. You see, I get questions all the time about how to manage it all. How do you build a successful Etsy shop, be a mother and a wife, And then also just be a person who has a life outside of work and thinking about or worrying about your Etsy shop all the time. If you're new around here, you may not know that I have four kids and the oldest just turned nine and the youngest was born in July, so like two months ago. So while I love my Etsy shop and I do feel extremely passionately about having a business to call my own, and I'm very proud of the Etsy shop that I've built, I don't have time to obsess about it or to be stuck working in that business every single waking moment of my life. And honestly, I never really set out to create a full-time job. I was not looking to work 40 hours a week. And frankly, that wasn't something that was ever going to work within my family life because my husband works long hours and he was gone a lot of the time in the military when I first started my shop. I didn't get started on Etsy during some time in my life when I had ample amounts of time or when I was just like so bored and had nothing to do, so I started a shop. In fact, it was one of the busiest and most chaotic times in my life. I often hear from people who worry that they don't have time to start or to build a shop 
or even more importantly, to scale their Etsy shop and sales. They worry about starting a shop and they worry that it won't be successful, but then they also worry about starting it and having it be too successful and not having time to balance it all. I'm here to tell you that it is possible to have both a life and a family and a successful shop, but I think that it takes a really intentional path in order to do that. And I think you have to have a very clear cut direction of what you want to do and how you're going to do it. Otherwise, there's a tendency to get kind of lost in the weeds and really stumble around not knowing what that next step is going to look like or where you're going with things. So you're trying to piece together a whole bunch of random things that ends up being really time consuming. And if I have learned anything along the way on this journey, it's that when you're pressed for time and when you have other things that demand your time, like your family, it is all the more important to focus on the things that actually make a difference so that you don't get lost in those weeds and you can let go of the parts of your business or the parts of your business marketing that don't make an impact on your bottom line. Because while we can enjoy our crafts and while we can enjoy the creative side of things, at the end of the day, if you want to make this a business, then it is important to look at your bottom line and to look at what makes the most impact in the sales that you're having. When I first started my shop, I had a one-year-old and I was six months pregnant with my second child and my husband was getting ready to deploy. In fact, he did deploy to Afghanistan about five months after I opened my shop. But I had big dreams and I had big goals for my shop right out of the gate. I didn't want a hobby and I didn't honestly even really want a side gig income. I wanted meaningful income. And when I say meaningful income around this Lauren Keflinger community, it means that it makes an impact in your life. It's not just a few pennies here and there. It's not inconsistent and unreliable, a couple sales or a couple hundred dollars. It's consistent, reliable, and meaningful to your family's financial situation, whatever that number looks like for you because it can be different for everybody. So I set out to have a meaningful income and I fell into the trap that I see so many people fall into even now, wanting to build a shop as hard and fast as possible. And so putting so much pressure on myself to be everywhere, do everything, market everywhere, and do all the things that I thought I needed to be doing in order to be successful. And I heard all of those same things that are still being tossed around the internet now, that you wanna have 50 to 100 listings in order to get traffic, or you won't be able to get any traffic if you have less than that, or that you won't be able to be successful because Etsy's oversaturated. People were still saying that in 2012. Or the absolutely most detrimental advice that I really took to heart was that you don't wanna rely on Etsy to drive traffic to your shop, so you need to be doing the traffic driving yourself. And so I tried to drive traffic. Boy, oh boy, did I try. I tried to build a community around my products. I expanded my product offerings to make sure that I had something for everyone. And I grew my product offerings really fast, which led to a lot of inventory and a lot of supply expenses and a lot of excess that quite frankly is still sitting in my basement because I don't know what to do with it. I had an Instagram account that I tried to post to at least once a day. And these were the good old days of Instagram when you could just post and people would actually see things. There wasn't as much of an algorithm as there is now. I semi quickly built up about 10,000 followers on that Instagram account, but I struggled hard to get enough product photography, not just to be repeating the same photos over and over again. So I spent a lot of time trying to take new or interesting pictures of my products and then come up with captions other than just, here's the thing I made today. And I was always thinking about what kind of pictures I could take, 
where I could stage a picture or a photo op of my family or my products or whatever that I could post so that it would be interesting and people would actually want to engage in it. I had an insiders group on Facebook that I ran pre-sales and I launched new products all the time. And I struggled to get engagement in that because it's Facebook. And so then I dabbled a little bit in Facebook ads or boosting posts. And I really didn't understand what I was doing, so I fumbled around a lot. I also ran a coupon code to sign up for this email list that everyone told me I had to have in order to be successful online. I am sure that you have heard that same advice. And while I don't inherently think that there's anything wrong with having an email list, it was just one more thing that I had to do. And I was super disheartened when I would agonize about what the heck I was supposed to be writing to these like 20 people on my email list that would be so interesting that they would actually want to open it and read it because I'm selling monogrammed baby gifts. What would I write about that people would actually want to engage in? Then I would spend all this time trying to write an email and I would have maybe a handful of people actually open the emails and maybe one or two people click on them. So what a waste of time that was. I also ran sales to try to drum up my business, which actually never really increased my sales, but the sales that I would have at that time then would be an even lower profit margin. So I was making even less money and doing the same amount of orders, which is kind of the opposite of what I really like to do in my business, which is to work less and make more, (laughs) going in the wrong direction. I even opened up my own website on Shopify because after all, I didn't want to rely on Etsy, right? All my eggs in one basket and all that. I was super overworked and everything was suffering. My family, my husband's tolerance level, and honestly, my own mental capacity because I felt like I never had any time to step back and disconnect or really be present in my real life without thinking about what the next step was in my marketing, what the next thing I needed to be doing to drum up business in my shop, the next big undertaking, the next product, and how I could actually get customers to pay attention to what I was doing. And at the end of the year when I was doing taxes, my profits and my actual um, revenue for the year were so bad that I would have made more money working a part-time minimum wage job, which was extremely disheartening because it was not for lack of work or effort that I was in that position. So I quit. I packaged up my embroidery machine and I sold it on eBay and I cried at the FedEx store when I dropped it off because I was so disappointed that this dream that I'd had hadn't worked out. I knew that there was potential in the business and the products, and I knew that I could do it, maybe, but I just couldn't figure out exactly where I was going wrong and not being able to manage my shop while also having things outside my shop and not being completely overwhelmed by all the things that I needed to be doing and this constant feeling of having all of these things hanging over my head that I needed to be doing. In my head, there was sort of this running commentary that if I wasn't having sales or if I wasn't successful with what I was doing, it's because I wasn't putting in enough effort and I needed to be marketing more and I needed to be trying to put myself out there more. So my sales were not really where I wanted to be and so I just constantly felt like I needed to be doing more. After about eight months of having my shop on vacation mode after selling my embroidery machine, I decided maybe I wanted to jump back into this again. I I really did think that I could do it. I knew I was smart enough to have a shop and my products were good enough, but I couldn't go back to what I was doing before. My husband made it pretty clear he was not interested in me working what amounted to a lot of hours with very, very little money to see at the end of all of it. So I set out to really figure out where I had gone wrong and to change it up so the path wouldn't be exactly the same as it had been before. 
At that point, I was pregnant with my third child, and I knew I basically had one more chance to make a go of this thing with my husband's support and buy-in, or else I really did need to pack it up and say that it, maybe it just was unsustainable in my season of life, and I just wasn't somebody that could do it. I couldn't manage everything, and I couldn't manage to have a successful shop while having any kind of life outside of it. This was mid-2015, and at that point, I really became what I would call a student of running a business. I really didn't want it to be haphazard anymore, and I needed structure to what I was working on so that when I actually had a free minute and I could sit down in front of the computer, I wasn't spinning my wheels and wasting my time not getting anywhere. What ended up happening was honestly amazing to me, and I want to talk a little bit about the things that I did that made the biggest impact in that transformation from struggling and overwhelmed while also being pretty overworked to simplifying my business, focusing on impactful things, and ultimately scaling to $173,000 in a year or an average of just over $14,000 a month, which I have more or less maintained over the past few years other than this year, which will probably be a little bit closer to $150,000 because, you know, COVID and the first half of the year kind of being a little bit of a dumpster fire. But anyway, the first thing I want to talk about is really moving from a hobby mindset or a creative mindset to a business mindset. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but there's a big switch that goes from being a creative and being an artist and being a business owner. And as an Etsy shop owner, you really have to wear both hats. But for most of us, the creative and the artistic side comes a little bit more naturally. And what ends up happening is that we create the things that we want to make, not necessarily the things that are gonna be the best for our business. Now that's not to say that we can't have things in our shop that we enjoy making, and I would never ever tell you to structure your business around something that you hate making, but you also have to think about the business side of things when you're taking on custom orders or creating new products so that you can kind of have a long-term vision of what that's gonna look like for your shop. For example, in my busiest, not my most profitable, but my most hours worked season of my shop, One of the things that I had in my business that I was working on growing and really diving into was applique birthday shirts. These were and are a huge market on Etsy. So I figured, okay, I have baby stuff. Now I want things to grow um, with my customers. So they buy baby gifts for me and then birthday shirts were the next step. While that's not a bad mentality to have in thinking about products that could potentially work for your business, in this case, the product that I chose was something that was really unscalable. I want to walk you through this example with some actual numbers because I think it's helpful in thinking about your business and what works for you as you grow. So at that time, I was selling burp cloth sets for around $20 a set, and the shirts that I was marketing and selling were around $28. So on the surface, it seemed like a good thing to offer a slightly higher price point, and maybe I could get the average order value up as well as have more repeat customers. But the problem was, While a burp cloth set might take 20 minutes to make, every single birthday shirt that I was making was taking upwards of 45 minutes. So when you kind of run the numbers on that, I could make $60 worth of burp cloth sets in an hour because I could make three sets at $20 a piece. But I would only make $37 worth of t-shirts because I could only make one t-shirt plus a little bit more of a second one in that same amount of time. So while initially that higher price item seemed easier and more profitable, it actually ended up to be super, super time consuming for less money, like just over half of the amount of money. 
When you're thinking about scaling your shop and really growing from where you are to where you want to be, think about the products that you're offering that are going to move your shop forward. You don't want to build a shop around super time-consuming items unless you want this to always be a side hustle or a hobby income, which is fine and there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm speaking to the people who really want to make this a big successful business, whether that's five or six figures or whatever that looks like for you, and they don't want to just keep it at that hobby income. Those super time-consuming products simply are not scalable. The next thing I changed with my shop when I dove back into it and really made it work this time around was to let go of the idea that I needed to be bringing in all the traffic to my Etsy shop and that I didn't want to rely on Etsy to bring in traffic. I honestly am not even really sure where this idea came from because it's pretty crazy when you think about it. What is the point of being on a platform that you're paying fees for if you're doing all the work to bring in the traffic? The whole reason to be a part of a platform with built-in traffic is for the traffic. You would never open up an Amazon shop and then worry about Amazon being the one to bring traffic into your shop. Of course, they're going to be the one to bring traffic into your shop. That's why you're selling there. If you're going to do the work of bringing in traffic, there's absolutely no reason to be on Etsy and pay the Etsy fees. The Etsy fees are worth it because Etsy has a huge millions and millions, tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions of people buyer base that's already there and wanting to buy from sellers that are on that platform. So take advantage of it and stop trying to fight against it. When I really dove into this to make it work and I really found that sustainable, profitable, easy to manage balance, I let go of all of those marketing things. I stopped doing social media for my shop. I stopped building an email list or sending any emails. I completely stopped running sales and I think I've maybe run one sale since then to see what happened. I closed down my Shopify site and I focused on Etsy. And I did put all of my eggs in one basket. And do you know what's happened? My shop has grown exponentially. Now, instead of spending time trying to manage all of these different pieces while having my Etsy shop as just one piece of that puzzle that's underutilized and neglected, I'm able to totally and completely focus on Etsy as the platform through which I sell my products. And just in doing that and diving into that opportunity headfirst, my sales more than doubled in the first year of me letting go of those things. So what made the difference there? It was all about that focus. I wasn't working against Etsy anymore, and I wasn't trying to split the attention of my buyer between my site, my social media, my Etsy, whatever. I had one avenue for people to purchase, and I was able to keep up with those orders get things out quickly, provide amazing customer service, and really figure out what my customers were wanting without trying to spread myself so thin. Lastly, I narrowed it down. Figuring out your dream customer is one of my favorite lessons to teach in my course, SEO Superstars, because it is something that so many people struggle with. Niching down and really understanding your market and your customer is something that I struggled with as well, like I mentioned before. Niching into a narrower market that you can be the expert of or you can be the go-to person for can be really transformative to your business. If you want to walk down memory lane of how all over the place I was with my business before, you can still check out my old Instagram account at Funky Monkey Children, which I don't currently update, but all the pictures are still there. You'll see that my products were everywhere and I was desperately trying to appeal to every single buyer that might want something that was monogrammed for some occasion, some day, some gift in their life. And I always had new ideas and I always had new products and I was always testing things out. 
And that's not all bad. There is some part of that that you kind of have to do or has to happen when you're newer to business and you haven't quite figured out what you're wanting to sell or what your customers are wanting from you yet. But I was not new to business. I was five years into this whole thing. And I still wasn't really sure who I was trying to sell to and what my particular angle was that made my shop special. When I finally made the decision to narrow things down, the growth that I saw, and more importantly, the growth in profit that I saw, was absolutely transformative to my business. No longer was I scrambling around trying to figure out what the next big thing was or the next big product or the next bestseller in my shop. I wasn't constantly searching for new wholesalers or new products that were selling well on Etsy that I could offer. Instead, I could focus on the things that were working on my working well in my shop. I could get rid of the more time-consuming or more expensive products to produce, and I could increase my profit margins to streamline my shop. And since I no longer had to do the marketing hustle that we've talked about, but instead all the traffic was being driven into my shop passively through Etsy SEO, Running my shop honestly became easy peasy lemon squeezy. I now work less than 10 hours a week in my Etsy shop and I still have consistent six-figure yearly sales with no slowing down on the horizon. And that is the beauty of streamlining your shop as you scale your sales so that it's still maintainable even at a higher level. You're able to focus on those high profit in-demand products, and you're able to let go of everything else. So when people ask me, how in the world do you manage it all? The answer is because of this streamlining and because there are so many parts of my shop, like every part of my shop is passive except for the actual creation of the products. If you would have told me several years ago when I was hustling and carrying the wrong kinds of products and trying to market and having that constant mental burnout that I felt by trying to have my products everywhere and always be working on the next thing. If you would have told me then that I could scale to the way past $100,000 in revenue point, I would have told you there is no way. There's no way that I will be able to keep up at that level. So I will have to stop selling or put my shop on vacation or do something because there's no way that I'll be able to keep up with the orders if I get to that level. And that would have been true at that time. What I was doing was completely unsustainable. But by being able to have my SEO drive traffic to my shop so that I don't have to market anymore, and by streamlining my product offerings to really focus on those ones that work best for me, I've been able to do it and actually decrease. I'm working significantly less hours now than I was when I was making way less money. I hope that this has been helpful for you as you try to balance all the things in your life that demand your attention. I can't wait for you to hear Monday's podcast episode coming out because it is the first time ever that I've been able to feature one of my star students. Her name is Samantha Booth, and she will talk to you all about how she's been able to scale her sales by simplifying her business, narrowing down her niche, and driving traffic through SEO so that she can finally let go of trying to be everywhere. And she was everywhere. She had had national magazine features and all kinds of crazy stuff. Be sure to tune into that on Monday morning and I will be back on Facebook for it to hopefully work next Thursday and I will see you then. I will see you next week back here on the podcast. Same time, same place. Bye for now. Bye.